Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. But this hurt talks about there's nothing that the enemy can do to you that will rob you of your eternal salvation in Christ Jesus. It shall not hurt your standing with God. And that's the most important thing. There's nothing the devil can do that can snatch you out of God's hands. Hallelujah. Listen, he says that nothing shall by any means hurt you. The Lord says, I give you power over all of this. And then tells them there's nothing the devil can do that can take you out of my grace. There's nothing that the devil can do that will take you, uh, that will stop me from looking at you with love. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. I'm grateful that you're here today. Last week, we uh, begun maybe a series entitled Net Fishing. And uh, that was part one last week. And I believe today we're going to go back into that. But I need to tell you some more prophetic things that are, that are on the Lord's time clock, even at this moment, that I need you to hear. That I need you to hear. Uh, let's first of all go to the book of Luke, Luke 21. Luke 21, and we're going to look at uh, just a few verses here. As the Lord talks about the end times and uh, the signs of his coming, and you can find this scripture also, the sister scripture, if you will, uh, there in Matthew 24. But we're going to look this morning at Luke 21, verses 25 through 28. We're going to just start here and then go on further because I need, you to, I need to take you somewhere today. The Bible says in verse number 25, it says, this again is Luke 21, I'll read verse 25 through 28. It says, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations. That word distress means simply anxiety, fear of nation, fear in the nations. Now this word nations is from the Greek word ethnos, which means ethnic groups. So it is true that there will be fear in, um, in Asia, of course, here in the United States, in Canada, fear of nations, anxiety in the nations. But it is more true that there will be fear in different people groups, different people groups. It says, and upon the earth, distress of nations or different people groups. With perplexity, perplexity meaning they don't know what to do. They're afraid and then they don't know what to do. You can see that just about every night on the news. It says the sea and the waves roaring. That means that there will be, uh, of course, roaring seas, seas and strange tides. The sea going through different patterns. Now, we've been seeing and hearing about things in the sky for a long time, uh, asteroids and this and that. And if you follow all that with NASA, you'll know all this stuff. It's just strange things going on in nature right now. It's happening now. Look at verse 26. It says, men's, heart, men's hearts failing them for fear. That is, they will be terrified. Men, women, boys, and girls, terrified afraid. Why is it? Why are they afraid? It says men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Look at verse number 27. 
And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Verse 28, and, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. These signs are already happening. There is nothing that has to happen in Scripture uh, nothing that needs to be fulfilled in all of Scripture before Jesus Christ comes. Everything that needs to happen has already happened. His return is imminent. And as you, an end-time believer, you are an end-time saint living in these times right now, there will be special authority and power released to you that has never been released over the body of Christ until this hour. The latter, uh, the authority that God will release to uh, this end time generation, end time body of Christ, will be greater than that in the book of Acts. Why? Because the darkness is darker now than it was then. You're going to need more now than, they, than the apostles need then. I guarantee you that. And the Lord does not want us to go through these days in fear. But he wants us to live these days in faith. So that's the first thing I have to tell you. You can either live these last days in faith or in fear. You have to choose. It's a choice. You will either live it in faith or fear. If you live your life in faith, then you get the three Ps. I like the three Ps. Say three Ps. You get the three Ps. In this time, if you live it by faith, you'll, you'll receive protection. God offers and promises protection. You'll also receive some form of provision. So there's protection if you live by faith, and there's provision. And last to me is even the most powerful. You get peace. Peace. The three Ps. If you choose to live by faith, you get, uh, what we say, protection, provision, and peace. Now, if you choose to live by fear, then you'll receive, then you'll see people living uh, nervously. Three, you get the Ned, I call it Ned. I think it's, yeah, Ned, N E N I D. Yeah, I think we're going to call it N I D. The N there is nervousness. You'll see people very nervous in their, if they're living in fear, they're walking by fear. The I is isolation. They're going to just close themselves up and keep themselves away from everybody else. They're isolated. And the D is destructive. You will see destructive patterns in their lives, destructive to themselves and to others that are around them. If you choose, if you choose to live your life in fear. Now, here's the thing. You cannot live in faith and fear at the same time. You're going to live in one or the other. Because faith and fear are very powerful forces on this planet. Live in, if you live in faith, you'll have those three Ps. If you live in fear, you'll have uh, the nervousness, the isolation, and the destruction. But you can't live in both at the same time. You're going to have to choose. If you choose to live in faith, you will overcome. You will overcome. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. But if you choose to live in fear, you will be overcome. Hallelujah. Let's talk about uh, very, very briefly today, um, your ticket into heaven. What is the ticket into heaven? 
there are some misnomers about this or, or being righteous in the sight of God that I need you to know because we're, we're on the precipice of the greatest end time revival that this world has ever seen. Because people's hearts, the darker it is, the more they're going to turn their, turn their eyes toward the answer. They're looking for an answer. They're looking for a solution. Lord, Lord, what am I going to do? Are you real God? Are you real God? Are you real God? And in order to authenticate the gospel, in order to authenticate the ministry of Jesus Christ, then you will see signs, wonders, and miracles. And one of the greatest signs, wonders, and miracles that we will see is a changed life. People beginning to live like Jesus. Not only representing Jesus, but representing Jesus to the world. Showing them who he is really like. Jesus said, if you, he told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We'll also be able to say, if you've seen us, you've seen Jesus. Because he lives in me. He speaks through me. He abides in me and I abide in him. Are you understanding? Look at Luke the 10th chapter. We're going to look at just really two verses here. Luke 10, verse 19 and 20. Luke 10, verse 19 and 20. I need you to see this. What's involved here? And we're going to strike down... Uh, a lie today, Luke 10, because I want you to be, you need to be secure and you need to know and be able to identify, identify um, a move of God as he used you. So let's look at Luke 10, verse 19 and 20. This is how it reads. The Lord Jesus telling his disciples that have just, his disciples had just gone out and, and done signs and wonders and miracles. And that was a great thing. Look at verse number 19. And the Lord says here, he says, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You have to declare that over your life in this day and time. Say with me, I have been given power, authority over all the works of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt me. Now, this hurt does not talk about uh, physical wounding. It definitely does not talk about emotional wounding. I'm not sure how many people I've ever known who love Jesus, they love Jesus, but they've been hurt in the church. This hurt, as it's talking about here, or even people serving the Lord, oh, they tripped, they fell, they hurt my knee. Jesus is your word, lying? No, he's not talking about either. People were drawn and quartered uh, in, the, uh, in the Bible times. John the, John the Revelator was boiled in oil. I bet you that did hurt too. I wouldn't want to feel it myself. Peter was crucified upside down. I bet you that hurt. But this hurt talks about there's nothing that the enemy can do to you that will rob you of your eternal salvation in Christ Jesus. It shall not hurt your standing with God. And that's the most important thing. There's nothing the devil can do that can snatch you out of God's hands. Hallelujah. Listen, he says that nothing shall by any means hurt you. The Lord says, I give you power over all of this. And then tells them there's nothing the devil can do that can take you out of my graces. Nothing that the devil can do that will take you, uh, that will stop me from looking at you with love. In other words, you got it? All right. It goes on to say, verse number 20, 
Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice. Why? Because your names are written in heaven. Today we're going to talk about very briefly about the, about, um, the books of heaven or one book in particular, the book of life or the Lamb's book of life. I want you to notice some things. I want you to see some things here. Now, listen to this. This is a strong statement, and many people would not agree with it, but that's why I'm going to have to say it. God does not require you to live a perfect, sinless life in order for him to accept you. Let that sink in. You are not required by God to live a perfect, sinless life in order for him to accept you, in order for you to go to heaven. Why? Because the work of salvation has already been accomplished in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. God does not tell you, in order for you to get right in my sight, you've got to stop sinning. No, if that were the case, then what Jesus did on the cross is in vain. Because that would mean, in order for God to save me, I got to live right. But how many of you know that it's pretty much impossible for you to live right by yourself, in yourself. This morning you may be coming to church, but tonight you could be cussing somebody out. Have all the right intentions of doing right, but sooner or later you're going to do something wrong. If your salvation, if our salvation was based on us believing in Jesus, then us being good, we would have messed it up a long time ago. Because we cannot keep doing good in, in and of ourselves. We're going to mess up sometime. God made salvation foolproof. Look at Ephesians. Look at Ephesians, uh, the second chapter. And this goes th uh, further throughout, but we won't stay on this point. Ephesians, second chapter. Let's look at verses 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. Let me tell you this. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Your salvation, you were saved because you believed in Jesus. And your faith in Christ, with that, the Father reckoned you righteous, the same way he did with Abraham. He reckoned Abraham righteous because he believed him. And this is what God is doing today. So again, good works is what we do. Living a sinless life, striving to be like Christ is what we do because we are saved. It is not what we do to be saved. You got it? Let me say that again. Living a sinless life is what we do because we are. We want to be like Jesus. Because Jesus has come into our hearts, we want to be like him. We want to, it, it hurts us to know that we hurt him. Sin bothers us. We can't stay in it. We can't stay in it. And because he's in us, his spirit is within us, the Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he cleanses us and he makes us like Jesus. So sin is really beneath you. We don't want to stay in the mud. We don't want that on us. Why? Because we are saved. But the moment we say, I want to do good so that I can be saved, then we got a problem. Because you'll never be good enough in and of yourself. 
And really, your salvation will never be complete as long as it, long as it is based upon your actions. You got me? So good works is what we do because we are saved, not in order to be saved. An apple tree uh, bears apples because it is an apple tree, not to become an apple tree. If you see an apple tree out in the yard somewhere and, it's, and you ask it, what you doing, Miss Apple Tree? What you doing? And if Mr. Apple Tree says, well, I'm doing my best to bear apples, and when I do, I'll be known as an apple tree. You look at it and say, fool, fool, fool. Or you don't know what you're talking about, Mr. Apple Tree. Because you are an apple tree, you, wear, you will bear fruit. Got me? The problem has been people, they may have come to church, but never really known Jesus. And because they say, I've gone to church, I read my Bible, I try to do good, that makes me a Christian. And that makes just as much sense as you sitting in McDonald's makes you a happy meal. Now you may act, yes, right, you may act like a happy meal. Sometimes we may have a few fries short of one. You know, but just like we said, sitting in a car, sitting in a garage does not make you a car. So we've seen the fakes and thought that that was it. No, 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 no. One labors to be righteous and one is and one is doing righteously because they are righteous. You got me? All right. So people that will be coming to Christ, uh, people will be coming to Christ in the masses in this time. And you must understand their salvation is not based on on whether they stop doing sinful things. Their salvation is based on the fact that they believe in Jesus. On his death, burial, and resurrection, they've received him as their Lord and Savior. But pastor, they're still doing this. First of all, put your finger back in your hand. That doesn't make sense. Stop pointing your finger. Right? The work of salvation is not complete until death. There are some things that God is still working with you about. But you have believed in Jesus. And he's still been working with you on that. Hallelujah. The work of salvation for your complete, you are a big cleanup project. He has cleaned your spirit man. Your spirit man is new. And it looks like Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But your, but your mind, your soul is going through the renovation process. I guarantee you, the moment you gave your life to Lord Jesus, you still had your black book. You still remembered how to say, oh, come on, come on, snake eyes. Even though you may not have done it anymore, you still remember how to do it. You still remember how to cuss. I can't get nobody to talk to me. You still remember the cussing words. You still remember where to go. You still remember what to do. You still remember how it felt. The moment after you said, Jesus, I received you in my life, you became new and God accepted you. The work of the Spirit is complete. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. But now he's working with your soul. Trying to get the desires out of you. All of that stuff out of you. And he has done a wonderful work in you, hasn't he? Many of you can testify, I don't do that anymore. And I don't want to do that anymore. God has done a work in you. 
So there are some rooms, if you will, in your house, in this house, that are clean, spotless clean. You walk in there and you can smell the pine saw. Mmm. You can eat off the floor. But then there are other rooms in your soul as rank and stank. I can't get no talking here, April. The Father works on you. And he does his work in the, on the inside of us. And he cleanses us and washes us and he deals with us one room at a time. So if someone gives their life to the Lord and you, and you see a few weeks later, hey, there's no change in their life. Let the Lord do, do his work. Let him cleanse them. Let him wash them. You say, well, what if they faking? What does that got to do with you? I mean, really, what, what does that have to do with you? I don't think they're born again. Okay, pray for them. But to sit back and point their finger again, sit back and point at them and ostracize them and criticize them and say this and that. What, what, do you have a key to heaven? Do you have a key to hell? Can you put people in one place or the other? All we can do is do our best to take care of this and then help somebody else. How many of you know that you are, the, you are a project all by yourself? It takes all the strength you got sometimes to restrain you. And how in the world are we going to try to deal with somebody else? God help us. Say, God help me. Are you hearing? So again, realize that the work of salvation is not based on how good you've been. If you ever have the thought, and I've asked people this over the years, I've asked churchgoers this many, many times over the years. When you die, do you know you're going to heaven? And many would say, well, I hope so. Or some would say, well, I know I am. The difference between the two, when the one says, I hope so, they're saying, I hope I've done enough good. I hope I've done enough right in order for God to accept me. I believe in Jesus, but I don't know whether I have messed up and I, I don't know whether I have done everything he wants me to do so that I can be accepted in his sight. So you're saying that your salvation is based on Jesus on the cross and also you. That what Jesus did on the cross was not enough. His bloodshed was not enough. The scars, the whipping and the, then the beating and the putting in the grave and the rising up and him bringing his blood before our heavenly father, presenting himself as a sacrifice for all mankind and God accepting him and giving him a name that is above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that, that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. The father, you're telling me that his blood, righteous and true, was not enough. We stand in God's presence and say, yeah, Lord, I believe in all that, but I know I still got to keep me right so that you'll love me. God, help us. Because the one that says, I don't know if God will really love me or I don't know, I hope I've done, uh, I hope I can get in. That's exactly what that says. Their salvation is based on them plus Jesus. But the one that says, no, I know I'm getting in. Hallelujah, I know I'm accepted by God. How do you say that? Because I believe in Jesus. 
I believe in his precious blood to wash away my sins. I receive him as a lamb of God, the spotless lamb of God who has come to take away my sins. I believe that Jesus is the savior of the world, that he is God in the flesh. I believe that he's Emmanuel. I believe in you, Jesus, and I receive your blood to wash away my sins. My faith is in Christ alone. You see, one of those people, the devil can torment all kind of ways. Because if you think that you, your salvation is based on you, you'll always say, well, I don't know if I, maybe God's going to hear my prayer this week. I don't know. He may hear my prayer because, you know, you know what I did last night. So he may not really hear me. You know what I'm talking about. Staying, I'm saying. You know where we were last night. Maybe God won't hear me. Hmm. So again, your righteousness is based on you. Your salvation is based on you. God's acceptance is based on you. And that's a life that is filled with torment. No, I got power over the devil all the time. All the time. When I mess up, when I sin, I thank God for, his, for the blood of Jesus and his mercy. I confess my sin before him. Hallelujah. And I am still righteous. Listen, 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 child of God. Even if I go outside today and I do something that I'm not supposed to be doing, that is what I did, but that is not who I am. I am not sin. Sin is not me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I repent and get that stuff off of me. Acknowledging, Father, that you are righteous and you are holy. And as Jesus is, so are we in this world. I am your son and I rise above the muck and the mire and I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. You must be convinced of who you are in him. Even if you trip up in this and that, I'm not that. I am in Christ. If you get it confused, when you trip up, the devil say, well, God's not going to hear you now. You messed up now. He's not going to hear you. And the devil wants to do that to you so that you'll stop speaking to him. You think that your authority has been diminished. You think that your power over him has been diminished. You think that your place in God has been diminished because of what you've done. Now, if that is the case, then again, the work of Jesus Christ was not complete. It was still dependent on on you so why am I living a sinless life if I'm if I'm secure in Christ because listen the more you give in to sin the more you become like sin you look like you've seen somebody look like sin the more you give in to sin the more you let that devil in your house you can say the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, but you gave the devil a back room in your house. You gave him a bed, you gave him curtains, and you say, stay in here, devil. I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. That devil going to eat up all your food. He's going to uh, spend all your money. He's going to terrorize you in your house because he hates your daddy. Now, if you want to have somebody that hates your daddy, that hates your elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, that hates love, that hates light, to live with you, 
and you think that you're not going to have a rough ride? Come on now. We want to get rid of him, toss him out, so that we can live a peaceable life and be victorious. Hallelujah. Let's go on just a few more moments and talk about the Lamb's book of life and, and how important it is. I want you to see something here because in these last days it's going to be more, more important. When the Antichrist does arise, and there's nothing that you and I can do to stop that. You know that, right? There's absolutely nothing you can do to stop it. It will happen. It will occur. Whether it's tomorrow, preferably not, whether it's five years, ten years, I don't know, but the, there will be a rising of the Antichrist, the false prophet, the beast, everything the Bible declares in the book of Revelation, it will be fulfilled. When he does arise and begin to take over the planet, global, there will be a global dominion. You know that, right? Look at Revelation 13. Revelation 13 talks about this. Those saints that are still here. Now, we believe that the Lord will rapture the church prior to the Antichrist taking his power. We believe that we will be out of here. But of course, we will be coming back with the Lord. Praise God to take back. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's going to be a great day. But look at Revelation 13. I want, to see how, I want to show you how important this Lamb's book of life really is. Revelation 13, verse 7, uh, 8 and 9, it says this. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. Here's the Antichrist, the beast, the false prophet, all of that. It was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So we believe that the saints here, the Bible's talking about verse 7, are those that are still, those that have been left. Those that were not ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or those who, those who uh, after the rapture of the church, finally said, hey, you know, I got to get my stuff together, my life together. I've been left behind. I've been left behind. And they've come to know Jesus after the church is gone. So the Bible says that they will be overcome. Verse 7, it says again, and it says, and power was given, given him over all kindred and tongues and nations. Now look at verse number 8. Here's the kicker here. It says, and all that dwell upon the earth. Can somebody say all? all? This is big. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. How do I get my name written in the lamb's book of life? Simply, I give it to you straight. Believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Receive him as your Lord and Savior, and your name will be found written in the Lamb's book of life. Go to Revelation 20. Let me show you this. What's going to happen after all the Antichrist and all that's after the Lord deals with all of that? Let's look at Revelation 20, verses 10 through 15. Now, of course, you can read it all when you get home. And it says here, again, Revelation 20, verse 10. And it says, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away 
and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now let me tell you this. We're going to read one more after this. I had a dream. And in this dream, I had a prophetic dream. The Lord many times gives me prophetic dreams as well. And in this dream, I was in heaven. And I saw this huge, huge temple. White, I mean, just white columns and all of that. And I saw one or two people coming out of the other side. And I said, I want to see what's on the inside of that. And so I walked over there to it. And as I walked inside, I saw everything in there was straight white. I mean, like lightning sort of white, but it didn't hurt my eyes. It was straight white. And I saw a, a throne there, the white throne. And all of a sudden, I felt such conviction hit me. Such conviction hit me. I dropped to my knees and I looked over and I saw a man being, he had a rope tied around his ankle and he was being pulled out the other side. I thought, oh my Lord, oh my Lord. But I knew, I knew what the white throne was and I knew who it was for. So that I knew that I was not being condemned, but I was being convicted. There's a difference. Condemned meaning leading to damnation and condemnation. Conviction meaning, hey, I see something. Get this right. And as I saw that, I, I thought again, oh, I should have had somebody with a tie, tie rope around my ankle too and pull me out too. I felt such conviction over me. I did not feel the Father judging me, but I felt, I felt the weight of it. So I know Christ, and I felt the weight of that. Those who don't know Christ, that's what this great white throne judgment is, those who have not been washed by the blood of the Lamb, the Lord allowed me to feel that because there's nothing in a person's life that shall not be revealed at that white throne judgment. Conviction upon conviction upon them, but then it won't be conviction, it'll be condemnation. This is what happened. The Bible says the books will be opened. The books are those that uh, one book, of course, will be revealing your assignment, what you should have done, what that person should have done. Now, again, this judgment is for those who are without Christ. Books were opened. Books, there's a book written on everybody. You understand that, right? There's a book written on everybody uh, as in what you were meant to do in this life. And then there are books concerning your works, what you've done, what you said, where you've been, nothing will be hidden. And then there is the book of life. The books will be searched. Look at the love of the father. The books will be searched. So and so comes up to him. The books will be searched. Jesus, of course, is sitting on the throne. 
The books will be searched. This is what you should have done. And this is what you did. All right, we understand that. But is his name in the Lamb's book of life? Because if his name is there, it doesn't matter. None of the other stuff matters. But when their names are not written there, he has no choice but to sentence them. They will be judged in accordance to their works. It is my belief that those who have done some horrendous things will receive. Now, it's still, it's still bad. They go away from God. But I believe there are different levels, different levels of the punishment that they will receive throughout eternity. But you don't want to be there in any way, form or fashion at the great white throne judgment. There will be a time the Lord will give us our rewards. Thank God Almighty, you will receive your reward for things that done. You receive crowns and things of that nature. So we want to be on that side. Amen. But that's why the Lamb's book is important. And that's why it's not about sin. You come before God talking about, oh, God, I sinned, I sinned, I sinned. Confess it and get, out of your, get it out of your life. But your righteousness is based on what Jesus did. Is your name found written in the Lamb's book of life? One more. Let's look at Revelation 21. And we'll stop here. This talks about heaven, the holy city. Revelation 21, and let's just go straight down to the uh, nitty of it. Let's go down to verse number 27. Revelation 21, and when you have time, you can read the entire Revelation 21. It's good stuff. All of it is good stuff. But for time's sake, let's go down to verse 27. Revelation 21, verse 27 says this. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Who's going to heaven? Those that are written in the Lamb's book of life. Well, how do I get my name written in the Lamb's book of life? By believing in Jesus. Is your name on the roll? Your ticket into heaven is that your name is on the roll. Not in the roll, not on some church somewhere. I'm a member of so-and-so church and so-and-so church. My name, my membership is found there. My name is on the roll there. Okay. Great that I'm really happy that it's there. But you need your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Where you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Honestly and sincerely, you've welcomed him in your heart, in your life. You call him not only your Lord, but I mean your Savior, but also you call him your Lord. And he is in you and you're sure about your salvation. If you're not sure about your salvation, now's the time to be sure about your salvation and make sure that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's not about your sin, so stop saying that. It's about believing in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for the word that you've given us today. And Lord, I pray that, that your spirit will continue to convict us and that your spirit will continue to lead us into all truth. Show us things to come. Show us who we are in Christ and show us what you're doing in us and through us. And Father, we thank you for strengthening us. We thank you for keeping us. We thank you for cleaning every room in this house. We do submit to your cleaning. We yield to you. And Father, I pray that everyone who has the Spirit of God within them will be secure in you and in what you've done for them. Father, we thank you for the great harvest of souls 
We thank you for this revival. We thank you that we'll be ready as well. We apply the blood of Jesus to ourselves, to our families, and all that pertains to us, that we may be ready in this hour. And Father, I pray in this hour that we will move in faith and not in fear. So Lord, I prophesy and declare that we will receive, Lord, even in this time, provision, uh, protection, and peace. Bless your people, Father, I pray. Give them a hearing ear and a heart to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, let's give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Hallelujah. Did you understand that? Hallelujah. Did that make sense? We took a good journey together, didn't we? And there's a lot more to it. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.